Hello and welcome to episode 130 of the 1099 for the week of January 22nd, 2018. I'm your host, Josiah Renaudin, and today, similar to last year, we're going to do a top 10 games coming out this year. It, it, at least we hope some of these are subject to change that we wish we could play right now. It's 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 kind of your standard top 10 most anticipated games list, but we're going to do it in a little bit of a different way. Uh, a note before we really get into it. That doesn't mean in terms of most anticipated that we think it's going to be the best game of the year or a lock for our game of the year list at the end. In some cases, and I know especially for me, there's just a mystery around some of these games where, man, I want to know what this looks like. And I might even have a lot of trepidation and think that it could be an entire disaster uh, for a lot of reasons. But that's why it's anticipated for me. That's why I want to see how it turns out. We're going to go back and forth. So I'll start, and then my guest will have one. We'll both make a case, and kind of similar to Game of the Year a little bit. Um, the final list will not be ordered. We're going to have 10 games, and then each of us are going to choose our quote-unquote most anticipated game of 2018. Uh, joining me to do this is a freelancer for Waypoint, Polygon, PC Gamer, IGN, plenty more that I didn't even want to list because it would go on forever. Joe Noop. Joe, how are you doing today? Hello, and I will bet you five American dollars that someone does, in fact, dig this podcast up a year from now and say, you you said Wolf Among Us season two would be in your top 10, you criminal. It's Yeah, that's, you should need to print this all out and just like hold us to it at the end of the year, especially if you're on my Game of the Year show and like none of these games show like, up Like a, at like the a end. Christmas court episode, Jesus. You never, game development's weird. You never know what's going to happen. Some of these can be, or all of these could be like tire fires by the time we get there or we just don't appreciate what they do. God of War could secretly be about Donald Trump. Who knows? And it, maybe we'll know all what? hate it. It, it really could. <laughs> like that's they're going an even bigger turn than everyone thought. Where <laughs> instead of Dad of War, it's Trump of War. Uh, that, that'll be the sequel. Uh, you, you never know. So like, if, and this is it's, it's a fun exercise because being outside of the normal game news grind, which I was for the longest time, sometimes I just forget what's coming out because I'm not writing stories or trailers or doing anything like that. So this is like a cool oh man, March is going to be great or October is going to be great because of this. And there's also one last note, a bunch of stuff that we don't know about that's coming out this year. As um, as leaky as the games industry can be, it does <laughs> continue to amaze me year in and year out, like how Loctite certain companies can be. We're like Red Red Dead or uh, like Vampire. Like we'll just go yep. dark for a year and be like, yeah, what happened to that? Oh no, we're st- still, still plugging away nine to five. Uh, and... Wow, I can't believe this is actually still a thing. Yeah, it, it's it's crazy. And I feel like we have a loaded front half of the year. And we still have no idea what's really coming out at the end of the year. So there, there's going to be a lot. I thought that we might get a new Halo or another new big Battlefield or anything the like that. The games that, that fail so. to come out in the first half of the year. That's exactly. Why. That's that's where we're at right now. So uh, we're basically, like I said, we're going to go back and forth, name some different games, talk about them, and move on from there. I'll start. And I really, I have a bunch of games in this list. And I've really gone back and forth with what I want to start with. And I'm actually going to start uh, with a game that I'm more interested in just because I don't know whether or not it's going to be a complete success or an utter disaster. And that's Anthem. Um, and it's it's funny. I've never really been a Bioware person. You can't spell Anthem without EA. <laughs> it's, I, I really enjoy... A lot of the different, a lot of the Dragon Ages. I've, I've never even played a Mass Effect game, which I know a lot of people hate me for. But we're in Bioware's in a weird spot, and no one can really deny that the, the last Mass Effect was not a good video game. 
Um, we haven't. Some we might really say know it was them. the most disappointing game of 2017. <laughs> Somewhere around. Some there, might say yeah. they cold blooded murdered a beloved franchise. Well, speaking of Bioware being in a weird place, EA's in a weirder place right now where I just don't know where their priorities are at other than let's make a bunch of money off bizarre microtransactions. Is that the road we're going to see with Anthem? But what I see from Anthem, just from the first trailer and the sense I'm getting from talking to people is this is their big thing. This is the thing they're putting a lot of resources on it and not this secondary team or even like a tertiary team. Anthem is going to be the big we're back motherfuckers from Bioware. Uh, I think in general, a lot of the way the industry is going is we're going to see more games structured like Destiny. That's sort of, you can play it for the entire year, two years, three years. There's, there's a lot of microtransaction in it. It's, it's not... It's not MMO exactly with a subscription service, but they're keeping you around in this sort of very social world. Uh, but this someone, for me... Someone screams, oh, I got Azura's dog and be like, <laughs> I have no idea what that means. And there's gonna be a lot cool. of dancing and random stuff inside of a hub world. It This feels like the first big budget huge swing at a destiny like game and i know that's reductive and bioware doesn't want to think that they're just making a destiny game but from a distance that's the sense i'm getting so i think it's going to be fascinating to see what do other developers think makes destiny destiny because it seems from maybe a distance like oh that's an easy thing to lock down that structure that sort of uh, loot loop, if you will, that keeps people going back and back and back. And I've never really enjoyed. De- I've not tried to enjoy Destiny multiple times. I've played through Destiny One. I played through. That is Destiny that is 2. all I do with Destiny is try to enjoy. It. I really I, I want to. Under- There's this bizarre fascination for me wanting to understand why, and I think I get why. I'm just not that type of person. But I feel yeah. like if you can have a game that has really enjoyable fun quest design that doesn't have let's say dog shit writing like other games maybe destiny that was just like there's no fascination with the story there and progression that makes sense that you can really go for a long time and keep enjoying yourself but that's not punishing and frustrating which i know is a hard balance because like you want to you need to really stretch out the progression if you Mm -hmm. want this game to last for years but you don't want it to be like, your light level is this, and you need to do 18 different things to just get that number up. There's a lot of factors going into this that I think if Bioware has their top people on this, I'm really interested in seeing what a Destiny-like game that looks this good and hopefully plays really well is like. Uh, and again, I'm, I've never been a huge Bioware person, but this is the type of game that I just want to know what it is and how it impacts the industry. Because if this comes out, and it's a massive hit, then it's another sign that, hey, these Destiny-like games aren't just a flash in the pan. They have a future. Uh, If it crashes and burns, I don't know if that's going to kind of, the market's going to look at that and be like, well, maybe Destiny only works as Destiny and you cannot make a Destiny-like game. One one also has to wonder with the tragedy that was the the walking back of loot boxes Mm. uh, in Star Wars Battlefront 2, uh if one has to wonder if they're reevaluating a structure in anthem that uh hopefully wouldn't incur as much wrath or you know diminish a, a player base by as much as you've already seen that because that for as much money as they're throwing into these games if they keep giving players reasons to you know badmouth it publicly uh and and feel like okay this isn't a welcoming environment for my wallet uh why why would they stick around and then you have 
Destiny, but with a even more diminished player base than Destiny had after yeah. a year out. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. I had a a Q and A mailbag show, the one after the one we did, where someone had asked someone had asked me, "Do you think we're going to see loot boxes and stuff made it you know into gambling and illegal and stuff like that?" And I I don't think so. But what we did see last year is the upper limit of what people will take in terms of loot boxes and microtransactions. And like you said, that was Battlefront 2. And that was EA. So now we're in this post-Battlefront world where I still think you can get away with microtransactions and even blind boxes, but the way you implement them have to make sense and they cannot feel just like a really, really transparent money grab. Mm -hmm. Anthem is going to be one of those games that how that game is structured is going to tell us a lot about how EA is going to use microtransactions in this post-Battlefront world. And the next Battlefield game will be similar. What's that going to look like? Because it looked like Battlefront 2 still sold well, but... I'm pretty sure it sold below expectations. And I do think a lot of that was just really poor word of mouth for good reason. I I feel bad for the development team, but I don't feel bad because of the business practices that the publisher was using. So that's why Anthem for me is just on this list, mainly because I just want to know what that is. And it says more maybe about, it'll say a hell of a lot about Bioware. And it might say even more about how EA looks at all their sort of consistent you know games in the future these games that have worlds that they want people to keep living in so anthem is my first game joe uh you are next you know i'm gonna go with a kind of a passion pick the wolf among us season two uh fairly recently announced and not really much in the way of a, a trailer to uh you know see what the the new plot lines or characters returning or new uh might be but they they did have a couple of uh, quotes from um, like some of the lead developers and also uh, the voice actor behind Big B Wolf uh, talking about like how important and cool they think the franchise was. And so it gave me a positive kind of impression of like, OK, they're coming back at it and they're not going to goof it up like one of their other lower tier kind of franchises like you know Game of Thrones or something like that. Uh, and I, and I really want to go back to that world cause I think that might be my favorite, uh, telltale experience outside of, uh, tales of Bo- tales from borderlands and also the actor of Bigby Wolf for as rugged and handsome as Bigby might be. He is not, but he is also a dude I would want to have like 10 beers with. <laughs> <laughs> it's the wolf among us was something that came to super late. I think it was free on Xbox live. Um, like a mm. year ago and I was so telltaled out from The Walking Dead and from well just about every other game I play on that where I'm like eh, I think I'm good but I really fell for it I just I, I beat the entire thing in like a weekend and could not stop playing those yeah characters and the world everything like that mature themes I mean the writing was on point it was I'm super into also the idea that they can fix that engine because yeah the telltale games are it's really strange i with the original season of the walking dead that was one of my favorite game things in a long time uh and it was so interesting story-wise and character-wise that i didn't ignore the technical aspects of it but i was able to overlook them because it's like look i still just want this i don't care if it hitches every single time you make a decision or every time there's some, some sort of story transition but we're at a point where it's just not acceptable anymore 
Um, and you hope it's a bummer that they downsized the way they did, but you do hope that they're using their resources in smart ways to upgrade that engine so you can go through that without feeling like you're battling against the the infrastructure that's powering it. But yeah, The Wolf Among Us in, in general is incredible. Even even though a number of games have used already, like the updated engine that they debuted maybe, what, two years ago, uh, does, does have market improvements over uh, what the original stuff was on, like the first season of uh, Wolf Among Us or Walking Dead. And so it'll be fun to see the kind of uh, dark comic book, uh, the the fantasy dark comic book, not the kind of like walking dead, grim, gritty, dark, uh, visuals taken on in that engine. And I think, uh, it'll, it'll probably be a pretty solid experience that game for as dark as it was with the, the murder mystery and kind of the, Hey, what if all the characters you loved as children were just drunk assholes? Uh, that game uh, still kind of imbued itself with a heart and soul that I think mm. uh, Walking Dead after its first season just f- completely failed to have and thus lost my interest uh, on that franchise. Yeah, you're totally right. Yep. The, the second season of Walking Dead just did not grab me. And I guess it gave me this feeling of like, uh, maybe that magic from Telltale is gone. And then mm-hmm. playing The Wolf Among Us years later, I think it was last year, I was just like, okay, never mind. It's still there. Like yeah. there, there's certain franchises still certain characters that really work with this like i I don't really care about the batman games and i'm just kind of fundamentally against borderlands sense of humor and like story and i that that unfortunately that's why i didn't give tales from the borderlands a chance i'm probably missing out you are uh i know yeah and that's what i've heard from a lot of people but i was just like i really hate borderlands i hate borderlands and i love tales from Borderlands. like i just i despise borderlands god it's the i not i think the writing in those games is really bad but yeah yeah, it's so that's the wolf among us gave me hope that like those games can still work in the right hands and in, in with the right franchises so yeah that one's high on my list is that confirmed confirmed for this year is that what we pretty sure uh that is the implication i've gotten they okay. generally don't announce stuff like that like super super early well uh speaking of games that i god i hope are confirmed confirmed for this year this game's actually been delayed multiple times but i'm pretty sure we're gonna get it uh nino kuni 2 revenant kingdom is Boy, it's right around the top of my list. Uh, I am just a really avid JRPG person, which is a weird thing to say in this current world because it's not a lot out there. There's a lot of blends of different JRPG elements in other games. And the Final Fantasy franchise, I'm so just bummed out about where it is right now where like i played i think like 10 hours of 15 i was like all right i'm good yeah like, i've been i've been in this car long enough and maybe again i could be missing out on certain segments of that no, game but the car the car is the best aspect of final <laughs> fantasy 15 just, just driving around i, I fact that lived the to return best. to that car and just chill out for 10 minutes <laughs> It's it, JRPGs are in this bizarre place where you don't get a lot of big budget turn-based things and like i nino kuni isn't the, the battle system isn't traditional turn-based stuff that you'd get from the old school, but I think um, some of my favorite things about video games, and I'm going to use uh, Ratchet & Clank, the one that came out, the remake that came out, I think two years ago, as an example, is it, it's really hard to make you feel like you're playing something again for the first time with all the wonder behind it and all the, oh my god, this part and this part and this part. And when you just bring an HD update back, you're like, it, it, it feels old. You know, where it's like, okay, this like looks a little bit better, but these mechanics don't really work. With the Ratchet & Clank game, what they did so well is they added a few new things and really updated the feel and the look of it in a way where it felt like the way you remembered it. And Nino Kuni felt like the wonder when you got a good JRPG all over again. 
Uh, it really made me just want to talk to every single person in a town, even though they didn't have a quest to give me because I just want to read that text. And I don't do that anymore. Now I'm this fucking old dude who's like, I don't have time to talk to these people. Just give me the quest marker above and let me go. But just the, the world and the characters in Nino Kuni made me want to interact with everything and poke around and talk. And uh, the, the look of that game is so incredible. Like there's every you just watching it in wonder the entire time. It never got old, even though it lasted for like 80 hours. Did you, I think, uh, I think... did you ever play Dragon Quest eight? Yes. On PlayStation two. Yes. That, that is it, is it kind of a similar vibe, like positive worldly vibe like that? Would you say? Yeah, I would say the vibe is really similar, except what um I remember, what I remember about Dragon Quest eight is as I was playing through it, because it was so old school in its mechanics and in certain aspects that it started to remind you why those old JRPGs were a grind. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you were younger, you can kind of get through that grind and be okay with it. But at that time in my life, I was like, this is a lot. Like, I wish they would streamline some of this. Nino Kuni, it's been a while since I played it, so I can't give you amazing examples of it. But I just remember it feeling more streamlined in a lot of smart areas where I wasn't, it wasn't a grind. I enjoyed all of it. And I hope with Nino Kuni 2, they keep that trend going and it doesn't just feel like another Nino Kuni, but a an evolved version of what JRPGs can be. Um, it's it's just I don't know, it was it was almost like I just remember being almost emotional playing that game because it reminds you of those times when you're on like PlayStation One JRPGs and early PS2 JRPGs where they just those stories and those characters stuck with you. And it's hard to do that these days. And I I think the I have not looked up too much of Nino Kuni 2 because I don't want to spoil it for myself. Or I don't want to like you know see too much before it's out but uh, i think they're going a different direction with the characters and environments and sort of uh the overall just themes and, and aesthetics of everything so it kind of feels like in. they're ditching that um the we we've grown so desensitized to this in the like post 2010 like anime era uh a young boy from our world like suddenly thrown into a fantasy or like an mmo rpg world uh mm. this this is a story about characters who who have always lived in this world and so it feels yeah. maybe more earned and earnest and i'm into that like let's let's flip the script i'm always just like let's not recreate the first one let's do something entirely different so i do hope it is more of like that of yeah. these people have actually been here because you're right yeah it was like it was just kind of stranger in a strange land situation beforehand which we've seen before like i'd rather have someone who's been there doing something different also the anime era was like it's like the complete opposite of the attitude era like I, we were about to get into professional <laughs> wrestling talk for a second yeah. and i was like let's go i won't go down this road anime and um, wrestling are basically the same thing though. it's it's essentially the same no matter what anyone says uh so yeah i nino kuni too maybe again we're gonna reveal at the end what's our most anticipated this one's right up there for me i i need a really good jrpg again in my life the first one did that for me and i have maybe too high of hopes and expectations for this game so that is our third on the list so far so all you next um let's go with an easy one i think that we'll both agree on pretty consistently a metro exodus yeah i uh, i really enjoyed the first trailer that they threw out for this uh where you know you're you're going to the exterior uh portions of oh, i forget what exactly what city uh it takes yeah, place in um, but Russia, Russia town, and <laughs> uh, just having played uh, Metro Last Light, uh, the re- the remake um, or refresh, I really found myself kind of 
agreeing mostly with the the consensus of like oh this is this feels like an important shooter because it's it's attempting some different things uh it's it's story is braver than most maybe uh or at least more inventive uh but i also have a lot of problems with uh the general like gameplay i think the stealth kind of sucks i think the Mm. uh general gunplay is a little stilted and a little exploitable if you know what you're doing with the ai but uh this could be the chance to kind of even more modernize things and i really love the idea of hey artium uh the main character artium who like saved the metro populace like twice over now uh is leaving and they're going on a cross-country road trip via train it's it's again again it's like several anime or, or a snow piercer <laughs> uh hey we're on a massive train and we're we're not stopping for anything until we have to and i love that i love the idea of like let's explore some really different environments let's get out of the same place we've been and uh what that could mean for gameplay like could you imagine going through a, a radiated like russian forest and maybe having a little more freedom to uh uh attack something or you know avoid an enemy that's clearly outclassing you and those are the kind of moments i think uh metro as a franchise really excels at is scenario building yeah and that's why i am all aboard in terms of metro's right around clicking quit call uh oh i didn't even mean to do that oh my god bye uh, I should have just owned up to that and gone all in. Um, I am all in on Metro Exodus, uh, but for the exact same reason that you're really excited for it, I'm a, a little worried. I think um, Metro has been incredible, what you said, is these scenarios, these these kind of very often tight sequences that are mm-hmm. scripted. Mm-hmm. Uh, and similar to the progression from Batman Arkham Asylum to... Uh, I think Arkham City was the next one. I think there's a risk that if you go too open, you lose what made those games interesting. Um, and I'm guessing they know that. Like, I, I don't think they're sitting there just being like, ah, just make it open and everyone will love it. Uh, but really, what I loved about Metro were, the, were these tight spaces, were these kind of small areas where it felt super lived in and each character felt real like each each random person you came upon wasn't some person who was stuck in this walking animation going from one spot to the other you expected that when you left that area they went through a real life with the small families or the the small kind of uh different groups that they've established there and you get a little worried that if it's these big open areas are you going to lose that are they going to have to i don't think it's a massive team are they going to have to basically speed tree it and make these areas feel like, oh, this is another spot with trees and mountains. And it's, it's, it, we had to put less detail into this because the game's so big, but like, trust me when I say like Metro is right on the top of my list in terms of those, those games are incredible. I, I do hope they modernize some of the, the feel of it without losing that really distinctive Metro sense. That but, survival aspect that, that yes. for me, I, I love the idea of like really having to fight and scrap for every bullet and, and, a kill counts and uh, a mistake counts, but I think the way that they kind of formatted some of that, like control wise and and general like user interface wise, was super poor. So if you know, it's all minor fixes from here. Yeah, it's it, it, it feels minor because you don't want it to lose. There's something about shooting in that game that just feels good. Mm-hmm. Like it feels raw. I don't know why it is. Maybe because bullets were currency at one point, so there's something 
when you were shooting your currency, it was like, wow, this is, I got to make everyone count. A kill is a kill, like you said. So I I don't want it to become Battlefield or other shooter X in that sense, but you do want it to feel, yeah, less clumsy in certain spots. So yeah, there's this weird thing in my head where it's, how far do you make this a, you know, modern video game before you start losing what makes Metro Metro? Uh, But without a doubt, that's close to the top of my list of games that I think could just be incredible that hopefully come out this year. I don't know if there's actually a set date for that yet, but I am crossing my fingers that that one's going to be around. Um, Man, there's so many I can choose from right now. You know, I'm going to go an easy route because this game's actually coming out, uh, I think, the day after this podcast goes live. Uh, I'm really excited for Dragon Ball Fighters, which is how I'm going to pronounce it. I'm not going to say Fighter Z. It's Dragon Ball Fighters it's 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 easy to be excited for this game isn't it yeah it's uh so i'm i used to be an obsessive dragon ball z fan and i'm talking about to a degree that was like probably detrimental to my health where it was like i i've probably watched the saiyan saga all the way through 10 times that's like no exaggeration like i was i would um watch it every single day even if it was a rerun and would not allow myself to miss it like tape it and all this stuff i was a crazy kid i was also homeschooled so i had a lot of free time on my hands uh, but like, there's, I really have this, about that. <laughs> this really deep I'm glad connection. You're really open up. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. I have a really deep connection with Dragon Ball Z when I was a kid and even moving on. Uh, and boy, there have not been a lot of good Dragon Ball Z video games. There's been a lot of ones that are okay and give you that sense of, this is kind of like a Dragon Ball Z fight, but when you're a big fan of some, something, sometimes you just need a decent enough game to be happy and play that thing obsessively. Or you need to be brave uh, enough to be able to go like all out with a, a representation of what this rhythm of action in this franchise is like. It's, uh, it's so not hard enough to, to have pull two off. polygons fighting each other. You have to like th- show the world on fire as it is in DBZ. Well, yeah, everything's so fast paced and insane and overblown and just out of proportion. And for maybe the first time, as someone who's played this beta quite a bit, this captures the magic of a DBZ fight. It's weird to say like a real DBZ fight because it's all fake, but it feels like that for once. The hits really matter and it's. It just feels like an actual fighting game for once. Very often you've had to have this weird blend of almost like beat em up and over the shoulder kind of thing to get it right in some of those like Tenkaichi games and some of the, uh, a lot of the future ones where it just, I don't know, it was always this weird blend. And for once it's like, hey, let's get a real ass fighting game developer to make a real ass fighting game. But let's also so meticulously add these things that people who love Dragon Ball Z will remember and know and just feel at home with. Uh, and what I really like is with a lot of DBZ games, the, the Budokai games, all those different games, it was all about how many characters can we jam into this roster until the point where it's like 125 characters. And mm-hmm. you're like, I don't need to play Frieza Henchman 7. Like, I, I just don't need this. Um, and they would all just feel like like just kind of palette swaps to a certain extent like the main ones would have these very specific move sets but everyone else after that was just like oh it's just like this character but the one special attack is slightly different in this the characters i was playing felt unique they had different styles and i uh was playing online i would get really accustomed to these like core three characters i was switching between and then i was like all right let me test out these other people and i would get crushed because i had no idea how certain things would work and you want that. I want this to be a game where you're mastering certain characters and the more you get to know this set, the more you have a better defense against 
how their certain special moves go. Uh, I'm not even a huge fighting game person. I'm not bad at them, but I usually don't put in the time to become good at them. Uh, this seems like something that I could lose way too much time to. I, I, I don't know how all of it's going to come together in terms of what are the actual game modes? Is there a story that goes beyond just doing like, hey, we're going to retell uh, the Frieza thing and then here's Cell. Like, is it just going to be the exact same straight story? I, part of me almost wants that because of how good this game looks where it's like, hey, for the first time, the, I actually want you to just retell the Dragon Ball Z story and make it look this good. I don't know, but uh, everything about the actual feel of it is great. The look of it is incredible. If they can nail down the modes beyond just the online stuff, I'm all aboard this hype train. We're all going to go Kamehameha. God damn it. We're all just going to keep making terrible jokes. <laughs> like I'll make another train one if you want me to. I choose to choose to leave this podcast. Oh my god. Choose your next game, please. Yeah. <laughs> choose choose. Uh so I th- I feel like we're kind of leaving uh, a few of these for last maybe, but we'll I'll go with another obvious one that I think we both will agree on heavy. Uh Spider-Man. I yeah. I I'm anticipating this more than I really thought I, I, I would, especially given the fact that it's by um, not Sucker Punch, but Insomniac, right? Mm. Or is it? Yep. Or, or am I reversing that? I, no, no it, it's Insomniac. Yeah, because uh, everyone anticipated uh, uh, the the infamous series, like, oh, that that'll be perfect for you know this kind of gameplay, running around the city uh, and really moving around vertically and uh, horizontally, but. Uh, there's nothing to show here that says Insomniac is, is doing a, a worse job. Uh, and for me, the Spider-Man franchise has like a, a weird special place in my heart because I think it was the first, uh, time playing Spider-Man two, uh, where I realized, uh, Spider-Man one back when like the first movie came out and that was a fairly direct adaptation, uh, you you never really got to go to the uh, ground level of New York City. You were shooting a web into nothing and just going around the tops of these buildings and then going like into a level or something. Uh, but Spider-Man 2 opened it up to the whole city, you know, from ground to sky. And when you shot your web, you were attaching it to something and you had to get better at the whole like idea of let me mentally plot my course out and really live out this fantasy of being Spider-Man by you know, uh, properly arcing through the sky and landing exactly where I want to, you know, deal the most damage, yada, yada, yada. And that for me was this kind of first moment where I realized, oh, games are made differently, even like like games and the engines that they're uh, built with. Those are different things, like from game to game. And that's important. And it's important how uh, something like that comes together. And so the fact that it, it looks for all intents and purposes from what trailer material we have that uh this spider-man will be kind of the the ground to sky level hd incarnation that maybe we all really really have wanted since those days you mentioned the developer before being insomniac i'm a massive insomniac fan just in terms of you know big ratchet and clank person but i think what we need to key in on is sunset overdrive because I yeah. feel like that's, um, in terms of movement, that's maybe where they got a lot of their practice with kind of this almost Tony Hawk without a skateboard level of using the environments as like you do almost doing tricks on the environments. And can they take that 
to this new level with something like Spider-Man, which is all about the movement. If it doesn't feel rad just swinging from building to building, then they failed at Spider-Man. You don't want the fast travel system because you want to just swing over through buildings and see, can I get through this really small spot um, in the environment using like this precision webbing? And you want stuff like that. And I'm a little bit worried about just the number of quick time events I've seen so far it, in trailers. Yeah, that and also some of the environmental interaction. Like there's a scene, I, who knows if it's like a cut scene or if it's kind of like one of those uh, emerging from a cut scene moments where Spider-Man is like leaping through a cafe and, yep. you know, from table to table as he goes from one window to the other. I'm kind of like, it's it's too animated. It's too scripted. It's got to be either a quick time or like, uh, you know, if you enter this place, it'll play this animation. Yeah, I'm a little bit worried about that. I you you hope it can kind of be like Batman with incredible world traversal. Mm-hmm. You don't want like Batman. Like Batman's a different type of character. You want maybe more an agile trickster kind of style with this stuff. But mm-hmm. I'm just I'm again I'm fascinated to see how it all comes together and hoping it isn't too staged. You want a lot of freedom in how this goes. And again, everything with the open world games just comes down to quest design for me almost every single time. Where it's like if you can get me to enjoy doing everything on the side and actually have fascinating stuff to do that isn't repetitive that i'm super in and you you want to know so much of what insomniac is known for is variety in combat and weapons and maybe weapons isn't the right thing for a spider-man game but how can they transition that sort of creativity and how spider-man's progression works how the different webbing works can you do something really cool and upgrade that so that combat is much more than just I'm tapping buttons. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't know how much I've talked about that, but that's kind of the main thing I'm keying in on with this. All right. So uh, my next one is going to be Valkyria Chronicles 4. Of course. Uh, I am a massive fan of Valkyria Chronicles. That was one of my favorite PlayStation 3 games. It was really uh, one of my first introductions to that sort of tactical style where similar to an XCOM, you're you're plotting out moves. You don't want people to die because they will permanently die. You're, uh, there's a real-time nature to it. With XCOM, it's kind of that Overwatch mode where if you take the wrong turn, suddenly you're getting shot at. With Valkyria Chronicles, straight up, it was just when you're moving and you're in range, people are going to shoot at you. Like It's just part of the game. So you're really using cover. You're plotting out everything. You're you're actually doing kind of an over the over-the-shoulder third-person shooter vibe to it. So it's not just this... You know, you you aim up a certain turn. There's a percentage above your head, and that does it. Um, so it's the the combat of that game super fascinating. But I never feel like I got a true sequel. Uh, there was the I think it was PSP that they did the second game, maybe even a third game with. Um, and some of, I think one of those was only in Japan. And then there was that recent Valkyria Revolution. I think is what it was called um, last I, year. I remember like pawing through the book section at, G, at uh, the game developers conference in san francisco and i i had yet to play valkyria chronicles but i was looking at the art books that they were selling and i saw like oh cool valkyria chronicles it's got this uh you know cool world war ii vibe everyone's wearing uniforms uh but then valkyria 2 and 3 got like oddly more schoolgirl anime yeah, like there were skirts and colored yeah, hair. So not with that first one. And, there, there's some. There's like, some anime what? bullshit in the first one. There, there's definitely some. There's like uh, one of the female, the weird villain sort of characters has just like ridiculously large breasts. Where it's like, okay, like that's not that does not make sense. So there's there's some anime that gets in there, 
But Valkyrie Revolution was just a crime against humanity in terms of being bad. <laughs> like, it was a Vita PS4 game that um, I think I put like four hours into and i i was just so sad the entire time there was these extended terrible cutscenes that maybe two hours in i'm like i need to skip these because this is like terrible translation it's just everything about this is bad and nothing felt like that original game and it was a different thing but this feels like the first shot at an actual sequel to that uh it's this really the first one was really fun blend of you know, anime fantasy with real war and real actually interesting characters. That, like you said, it's not just a lot of it got schoolgirly. Like with the first one, it wasn't just a whole bunch of upskirt shots and stupid stuff like that. Uh, I It made you care about those characters. And they're always in these dire situations because you can lose those characters. Uh, so I, I love the combat of these games. I love the style of these games. I love uh, the overall just look of what they do. And if you can give me... A real Valkyria Chronicles 2. I know it's, you know, there's a 4 at the end. But if this is the actual sequel we've all been waiting for, then this is going to be, like, my favorite game of the year. Also, there's, still... a, there's a corgi with, a like, a journalist hat, isn't there? Oh, I not, think there is. So, yeah, really, corgi, this is the game a, of the year. It's a, um, what's the Japanese dog? A Shiba Inu with, mm, yep. with a hat. What well, more, then, yeah. What then more could we, you want? We talked earlier about how some of these games might end up on our Game of the Year list. That one's already my number one. It's mm-hmm. locked in. If you give me a dog in a video game in an adorable outfit, mm-hmm. like I'm already invested in it. So that is one of my major ones. I know I've now done two JRPG type of things. So, But whatever. It's my list, motherfuckers. You can't stop me. Uh, but let's switch over to your list. What is your next game? I think let me just check to make sure you technically have two more games you can bring up before we're <laughs> oh the pressure here. how will i, I ever go on what are you gonna do uh you know i i'm gonna go with ori and the will of the wisps because Ooh. uh ori in the blind forest i i had never really played or rather enjoyed a uh what you call it uh metroidvania uh experience before I, I had tried Metroid, I had tried, um, you know, a little bit of Castlevania and it's, you know, countless uh, offspring, but nothing ever really clicked for me until Ori in the Blind Forest and its blend of uh, gor- stupid, gorgeous visuals, uh, this like melancholy story, you're really rooting for this like tiny creature fighting against the kind of poisoning of its natural habitat and... I, I really found myself invested in like wanting to explore every corner because I'm like, oh, I, you know, I really, really want that like one little well of uh, spirit points or whatever to, uh, you know, make Ori stronger uh, so I have a better chance at a fight later on. And just exploring that world, even though it is the same kind of Metroidvania, like up, down, left, right, uh, it feels like every inch is kind of earned, especially with given how uh, difficult some of the the enemies sections are or how uh, finally you have to kind of uh, commit to a jump or a, a movement. Uh, but every every inch of that game feels earned and uh, just just telling a story still. And uh, Ori and the Will of the Wisps looks like it's going to kind of keep that melancholy vibe. And uh, I, I'm very curious to see like what happens like, as the trailer depicts the, the skeletons of the, um, 
I forget what the the villain was called, but the kind of giant eagle creatures that the dark eagle creatures that were uh, harassing Ori throughout. Uh, those look like they're you know just gone, and uh, like the ch- the child of one of them is maybe involved in this plot, or at least Ori's kind of bringing balance back to that. And so count me in. Like I want more of that. Mm-hmm. I want it better. I want it uh, longer. And yeah, I'm in. Uh, I have two things to say about this. One an observation, one a confession. Uh, first observation, and the Will of the Wisps is an incredible name. Like it's an incredible sequel, like subtitle for this. Um, I, I did so much better than just Ori two. Mm-hmm. Uh, second, I never played the original Ori. Um, it's a good. And it's game. one of it's a gaming shame for me. I have this like mental list of things where it's like. Josiah, how did you never play that? It took um, me a long I've, time I'm, to get around to it, just because I, I again, I had no uh, inclination to be like, yeah, a Metroidvania game. I should really. Mm. It was, it was clearly a Steam sale for me thing. Oh, actually, my last confession too is I had no idea this game was coming out. I didn't know there's a sequel to Ori. I have no idea how this slipped my entire radar. It like, was part I just, of the I, Xbox uh, or maybe the EA uh, E3 show. There's probably there was Xbox. a trailer. Like they was they it, brought it. Was dude. it like an actual like demo on stage? Or was it like um, on, on a on a no? Reel? It, it was a cinematic trailer, but they brought out a dude like on a piano, like on Ew. a physical piano, to play over this thing. And uh, yeah, gorgeous, just gorgeous trailer. Do you um, want this game to be as difficult as the last one? I know a lot of the not complaints, but a lot of the discussion was just, man, this game is more difficult than you think a game that maybe looks like this and as these sort of themes will be are you was that part of the experience that you enjoyed or was it kind the, of keeping you from actually getting to the end so a uh, blind forest and i can only assume this the will of the wisp will have kind of the same feature uh blind forest has a death counter um when you go to the pause menu and you're looking at like you know what's my stats what how many orb things do i have uh and i'm pretty sure by the end of the game i died like 600 700 times and there are like and some of those times will be like you know okay jump death okay let me try it again jump jump death let me try it again jump jump death oh god (laughs) and uh that is part of a charm i want to say because uh the entire like implication at least at at the beginning of the story is that like ori is not a strong creature. He was rescued by uh, a forest creature and uh, kind of raised for a while. It's not clear how long, but like Ori is now like when the forest is poisoned and like the, the creature that took care of him is dead as a doornail. uh, He sets out to kind of right some wrongs and uh, really go against the elements. And he's this tiny, you know, little glowy lemur creature uh, going up against, you know, 30 foot tall dark eagles and so it being hard out of the gate uh makes a sort of cognitive sense but as you go along it also does kind of help you keep like you you do like i said before you do earn a victory um it's not really handed to you uh i i think the only change i would want is maybe communicate my capabilities uh more so early on because uh blind forest you had to set your own checkpoints and Mm. you had a set limit depending on like how many orbs of something you collected along the way so if you felt bad about a stretch you'd be like i'm gonna set a checkpoint right here just because i think this is gonna be tough and i don't want to walk back all the way again and 
then sometimes you might find yourself locked in a situation where it's like, do I just give up here and come back later? Uh, I want a little bit more communication in terms of like, what what am I capable of? And am I kind of wasting my time here? Yeah. Um, I, I feel like I should, one, play Blind Forest and also, two, actually mm-hmm. play this game too. Because it seems like it's entirely up my alley. I, I am actually a Metroidvania fan and have appreciation for games that make you earn shit. As long as it doesn't feel unfair like i'm a big dark souls person where it's like i i'm okay dying as long as it doesn't feel like the game broke its own logic or established a set of rules and was like just kidding we're gonna drop a boulder on your head which okay dark souls does do that from time to time but most of the time it's earned so uh i'm happy you told me about this because i really forgot that there was actually a sequel um i'm also happy we got an indie game on there i feel bad i don't want to have just be all triple a all the time but that's what i'm here for I uh, know. I'm just here for those I- indie games. I am going to add one more. You know, I'm going to call this a double A game. Uh, I'm going back and forth on whether or not I want to make some sort of argument for Shadow of the Colossus or the game I'm actually going to choose. Uh, Shadow of the Colossus is something that I'm super fascinated by and really goes into that theme of recreating that sense of wonder you had when you first played the original game. And this is a full remake, so I'm excited to see kind of can it do that. Uh but the game I actually want to add to this list that is going to be more in the anthem vein of will this be good or will this be a terrible uh, is Darksiders 3. Mm. So it's funny. Um, the first ever, and I think I've tweeted about this before, the first ever big interview I had was with the developers of uh, Darksiders 2. I think it was like the creative lead, the combat lead, and then the other one might have been like the art director. Uh, and it got, it, it's, it's crazy to think about now. It was um, an interview when I, I was still, still in college. I think I was probably like 19 or 20 years old. Um, I had this entire thing set up that me and Kevin Van Ord were going to interview them. Um, and my entire, uh, like my internet went down. So they had to dial me into like the GameSpot studio. And it was this crazy thing, but it ended up being a lot of fun. And that SoundCloud file was actually the only file that was on the SoundCloud that became the 1099 uh so that i've actually deleted that interview since because i was awful in it but i roundabout way to talk about just how much i appreciate what darksiders does and there was this really long uh stage of zelda games that just didn't do much to innovate where like i love ocarina of time majora's mask is interesting in its own ways and um some other games had value to them but it was like okay same sort of structure i don't don't really care anymore darksiders was this fun zelda alternative this dark uh more violence sort of zelda game that a lot of times i think the dungeon design was even smarter in darksiders than it was in zelda and the combat just felt better it kind of had this devil may cry ish and maybe not as fast paced but uh this is real action heavy combat design that worked within this world of puzzle solving and and dungeons and i don't know what darksiders 3 is going to be because if it's just that and it looks slightly better i don't think that's enough especially since then zelda has upped its game tremendously in terms of what a dungeon sort of open world game is so if you just make another darksiders with that sort of 3d fast-paced combat which you don't really see a lot of action brawlers like that anymore um you don't see a lot of devil may cry games anymore like bayonetta still is but again that that layers it on top of different things i think you need to take risks with a darksiders 3 with how it feels with um the design of the the puzzles and the different sort of areas and the open world itself 
And I don't know really much about the development team behind it. I don't know how long it's been worked on. I know it's a, was it THQ Nordic uh, is getting this out there, but the developer, I don't think it's the original developers. A lot of those people went in different directions. Some went to Crytek. I think there was some that went to Platinum. Uh, so, you know, it, it's funny. Uh, have you kept up on like, like previews of Darksiders 3 at all? No, I haven't to be fully honest because I don't even I don't know what it looks like. I just saw the initial trailer. Yeah, I I uh, I helped out on a preview of it for IGN, mostly just kind of uh, arranging the interview. But uh, ha- having listened to that interview in in its raw form, it, it was interesting to hear. I I, I haven't played Dark Souls one or two, and I really having looked at you know footage or YouTube videos, it doesn't really speak to me in a way that makes me want to go out and play it. But uh, Darksiders 3, the implication I got from the developers talking about it was it would be this more deliberate, I don't want to say slow paced, but slower paced than uh, Darksiders 2 or 1 were. Mm. That very de- that very uh, God of War, Devil May Cry kind of combo breaker thing. But um, it seemed more like a Dark Souls kind of, you know, the, you're going to fight two or three things at a time not like 10 yeah. things uh you know r- jumping around the battlefield getting 12 Do enemies at once remember the 2008 prince of persia that that was one of the mm-hmm. main things it was yeah. a cel-shaded one where it's like instead of all these enemies and kind of circling around you it's one or two people in a small encounter that's yeah. what that reminds me of yeah that 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 would be a, an a pretty fair shake at it yeah that's the implication i got at it um that the combat and like the exploration would be a little more deliberate as opposed to like go 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 here go there do thing um still it it probably is still like you know adhering to that kind of like spoken wheel of like here's a hub area go through these these semi-open areas and come back and you know grow as a as a fighter but uh, yeah, it seemed like it would be a much more deliberate experience this go around, which maybe could bring people like me in if it uh, speaks enough to that. Do you know anything about the act? I know Gunfire Games is the developer. Mm-hmm. Do you know anything about are they a like amalgamation of former Darksiders people? Or I mean, is Gunfire it just Gunfire group? is Darksiders, I think. Um, Gunfire uh, broke off sort of to do. Uh, they did. Oh god, what was the VR game that was like Dark Souls, but like from a, a a fixed perspective? I can't remember. Um, it was one of the very first like big Oculus titles. Uh, mm. that was them. They also did uh, oh, I can't remember. I, but like the the Oculus title was one of them. So like, I think a majority of that team is still with them. Um, uh, th- that was the implication I remember getting. Uh, I don't think it's going to be like a drastically different thing although you clearly have a history there and maybe enough of a will in the newer employees to be like yeah let's we want this to evolve in a way that is notably different from uh the last game while maintaining its spirit uh yes yeah yeah it's uh it's actually i'm looking at a at a wiki article right now um half of the people basically went to crytek and it looks like gunfire was kind of the new because it was initially called vigil and then a bunch of people went from Vigil to Gunfire, including the co-founder. Yeah. So this does sound like it's a lot of Darksiders people, which makes me happy. Because, yeah. like, I I mean, there's, there's a fascinating part about what would another studio's take beyond Darksiders. But I, it's always been planned to be four games with the four horsemen. So I'd be, you know prefer to see them kind of just keep going with that. And this will be six years since Darksiders 2. 
So again, hopefully they've thought a lot about what a Darksiders 3 looks like. Because um, the Darksiders 2 was only two years later and that game, I enjoyed it a lot, but didn't exactly take that many more risks compared to Darksiders 1. So I just want to know what that thing is. I, I really, really do. Um, and yeah, like you mentioned, the idea of maybe more kind of one or two enemy instances rather than surrounded by a whole bunch of people, similar to a Dynasty Warriors game where you're just mowing through them. That could be really interesting. So uh, that's absolutely on my list. So uh, one more from you. You know, this this is so difficult because I, I front-loaded a lot of like some obvious choices, some indie stuff, and, and I, I did this to myself, but there are so many games like Red Dead Redemption or uh was it ghost of tsushima uh cyberpunk that i don't actually think they're coming out this year but i really want one of them to uh i i could live with uh red dead uh, or even ghosts but uh i doubt cyber i really sincerely doubt cyberpunk is even close to ready uh or close to presentable um although Mm -hmm. what we're getting something out of e3 right uh, Maybe, so yeah. do you, do you think I should give something that's far and away kind of, yeah, this is going to be a 2018 game or should I shoot for stars? I think you shoot for the stars for what you like legitimately would be like, man, if this game came out this year, that's around the top yeah. of my list. Cause like we can still, I think at the end we should mention a few things that we have on the list that we didn't get more into, mm-hmm. but let's go for the one that you're just like, I need to play this video game right now. So, uh, a part of me did want to say God of War, um, cause mm-hmm. I am really excited for the, the, notably different like kind of narrative vibe that uh we've seen thus far and i'm kind of actually kind of proud of the series for being brave enough to like break away from that and have something resembling actual heart as opposed to a bleeding heart uh but if i'm being honest uh i think red dead redemption 2 takes the cake by a country mile um because i i had never really been a big rock star person uh until gta 5 came around and until red and red dead uh a a ways before that uh red dead proved me like oh wow yeah you can make a a really interesting um western experience open world yeah it's it's very empty but that is the point is uh the sense of isolation the sense of rustic living and you know never i'll never forget like walking over the like what mexico border and I forget the artist's name, but that um, that guitar song starts playing, and oh like, yeah, it's so good. And it's uh, it's Jose Jose Gonzalez, I think it might be the artist's I think name. So. But uh, yeah, he he starts playing, and there's a little song going on. And you're just like, this is this is the, kind of one of those emergent moments in games that I live for. And Grand Theft Auto Five, even though that's on the other end of the scale in terms of like wacky goofy uh kind of not quite realistic you know level of uh uh, depiction of violence um these people are basically superheroes uh i i played through that game's campaign maybe like four or five times all the from front to back and that stunned me even as i was doing it because i was like wow i this world feels lived in in a way that only you know someone with with billions of dollars maybe can and an actual skill behind the wheel can do uh even in a way that something like assassin's creed origins really hasn't kind of hit me 
yet yeah. as as I've played maybe 20 hours of that game. Uh, GTA five felt like this is, this is a living, breathing world that continues on without me. Um, and I want to see that kind of applied to the Western setting with its, you know, updated graphics. Uh, I'm sure there's more functionality in terms of like the things we'll be able to do. And I am kind of genuinely excited. Like I don't play, I played maybe a hot minute of GTA online and, you know, probably got killed by someone goofing off. Uh, but, the core concept of Red Dead Redemption 2 seems to swirl around like this is a prequel-esque story about the the band of uh, criminals that led John Marston to kind of break away and become his own man and, you know, work for the, the government. And I would really, really like that idea of uh, uh, joining up with a group of friends and setting out into the plains and, uh, you know, broke back mountaining it up out there. <laughs> that's the uh the main thing that i'm, w- I'm waiting for that this. mod <laughs> god the brokeback mountain mod uh, oh my god i the main thing that does fascinate me is what does a rockstar game look like in a post gta online world because we know how much of a money maker that was for them a surprising money maker yeah. that was for them mm-hmm. and still is still just massively popular still I mean, like GTA top 5, of charts right like top incredible. of steam charts like somehow that thing still beats fresh new video games three years later I think it's just because like everyone when they were in high school, college or whatever, when GTA got big, the thought of, man, what if we were all in this world together was so just fascinating yeah. and so tantalizing. And finally, it's like, oh, by the way, we're going to do that. And I, don't, I think we underestimated how much people still really, really, really wanted that. So what does I think what Red Dead did so well was, like you said, this little living, breathing world. And its characters, you actually cared about its side quests that felt like main quests. That's always the good sign of a of an open world game for me, where I'm doing side quests and you actually forget that you're doing just something that is optional because these characters are so interesting and mm-hmm. feel maybe not real, but real in this kind of exaggerated Western world at times. And I I just wanted I hope they don't lose that for the sake of okay, cool, we have this campaign, that's okay. But really, what we're trying to bank on is you know the Red Dead Redemption Two online aspect of it because. That's not my cup of tea. I'm happy people enjoy it, but I hope it doesn't take away from what that game yeah. actually is. I, I, I will say that like as much as I, I praise the idea of uh, you know riding out onto the plains with uh, uh, friends and kind of you know maybe either forming our own posse or like building up something together, uh, I, I do still an equal half of me loves the idea of setting out by myself and you know, having that exact same kind of uh, emergent experience of like, I'm the lone ranger out here and uh, the the valleys and the forest and the plains are not kind, uh, but I have to grow and, and fight back against it to survive uh, and to be my yeah. own man. And that, that, that kind of solo individualistic cowboy experience, um, I, I think that will be an equal uh, kind of emphasis for as much yeah. as they've promoted the idea of like, hey, seven characters, kind of an implication of here's a group play. What um, what was the name of that special ability where you slowed down time? Like Deadeye? Is that what that was Pro- called? Probably. Do you think they'll bring that back? Do you think that? Uh, I, I can only hope. Yeah. I hope so, because like I remember, I used to, I did play some of the multiplayer in that game, and they didn't remove it. Though they had to remove it because like, you can't stop time for everyone in a multiplayer game. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I wonder just mechanically what that game looks like. Is it just going to be very similar to what we saw in GTA, or are they doing something entirely different? And even GTA was a 
game built for PS3 and Xbox 360 that got moved over to new consoles. So is this technically mm-hmm. their first like Xbox One PS4 from the ground up game? I think so. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. That GTA, means, like, yeah. What does that look out, like? Yeah. Like what? Because like GTA was even still impressive on PC. Like these, con- like, yeah. So like, what is the, how much bigger and more realized can they make this world? So mm-hmm. yeah, that's absolutely. If that comes out this year, I'm just I, I just have no idea what it looks like, and I'm totally in. Um, some of the games that we have on this list, just on this Google Doc we had going, that we didn't really talk about. Um, I think let's see. Oh, uh, The Last of Us Two. Um, I am really interested by in general like i know that trailer caused kind of a stir uh, to a certain extent yeah the, the really violent one at that conference for you know for, for some of it makes sense i totally get it um but love naughty dog i, I just want to see what that looks like uh, monster hunter world which comes out the week this goes live uh might be doing a podcast with someone involved with that project that i'm working Look on right now me. so like that's would be my <laughs> no so it'll be like someone from either the publishing or the development team that we're discussing oh. <laughs> um i uh really never played a monster hunter game and i kind of want to do a baby's first monster hunter kind of thing to see if i can get it it seems like the right game to go it with um please call see if thieves <laughs> is <laughs> see if thieves is I I really wish that was a PS4 game. I own an Xbox One. I yeah, I'm kind of crying idea... about that one because like yeah, I could get it on PC and play with like you and our buddy Sean. Uh, yeah. But like we'll also be leaving one of our regular group out. So I'm like, dang it, duh. That seems like such a perfect four person just fuck around for two hours in this sort of bizarre pirate world. And like I don't know, I'm really into that. And, I uh, uh, I will say for The Last of Us Two, I my only I would I, I wouldn't even call it a concern is. Uh, the vibe we've gotten from the the first two trailers where like we see Ellie saying, you know, I'm going to kill them all. Uh, and then the second trailer uh, where we <laughs> break her wings. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. I hope that The Last of Us, uh, for as dark and de- utterly depressing and uh, really crushing of an experience, like I felt ex- legitimately physically and mentally exhausted by the end of that like 20 hour story uh the same way that probably the characters fall and i feel like that was intentional but there was of course always the like heart and humanity behind our two our two main characters and the people they met along the way even if they met like a grisly end uh you definitely felt like I, i i met a human and i met a human with like a heart and hopes and dreams and struggles what broke me for the walking dead uh, specifically the Telltale franchise and the comics and show at large uh, was after the first like couple of, you know, s- the first season of Telltale's Walking Dead had that heart. Lee and Clementine, a bond, a growth, uh, you know, teaching each other things and then a sacrifice that, yeah, is sad, yeah. but like is earned and like will definitely like have an impact on a character that was earned. Uh, and season two and three and the comics and the book and the show just pissed all over that and said, like, hmm, who can we introduce? And then, like, three seasons later, after you've really gotten to know them and care for them, how can we fuck them? And yeah. uh, I really just hope that The Last of Us 2, uh, even if it goes darker, you know, definitively darker, if they keep the humanity, I think it will be equal if not an even greater kind of experience 
Uh, it's kind of a reverse God of War, isn't it? Where like you're talking yeah. about going from like a bleeding heart to like more of an actual heart, and now it feels like, and again, we have not played the game, so it's hard to know. It feels like it's going from like the idea of like there's still humanity out there to just like pure revenge and violence mm. in the second one. There, there, there about, is like, a motive. This game's about a, hate, yeah. Like, which I don't know if that's what I want from that game. But again, I haven't played it. I don't really know. Maybe they're holding a lot of cards with where that goes another game that uh speaking of like zombies days gone you have on this list too and i'm also kind of just fascinated yeah. by what that is i'm i'm more excited for that in terms of like uh, you know it, it'll be a technological marvel i think who exactly. knows there i don't have i can't really say anything about the story the story hasn't hit me in any particular way but they also haven't shown too much of it that um, game looks like it should be starring norman reedus yeah like just motorcycle dude going <laughs> yeah. around shooting it's, zombies it's, that feels like it was made for him they should get him off of uh, the Kojima game and just go straight for this. Yeah. No, no more Death Stranding for you. You are now the days gone, dude. But I really, uh, assuming they kind of, uh, if they don't make the open world like too rigid and you know uh, linear, uh, I think that there could be a lot of interesting scenario building situations in terms of like the. I was legitimately freaked out seeing a like waterfall of zombies pour out of like a train yes. car. And I'm like, that's, that's just happening. Like, and we've seen enough gameplay to kind of get the implication. Like, yeah, this is, this is what they're going for. It's not super scripted, uh, but you know, it will create these definite moments of tension and maybe that'll, you know, create a, a memorable enough experience. A lot of PlayStation 4 exclusives. That hey, how about, about them so far too. cyberpunks? Yeah, geez. Uh, oh, God, dude. I don't know if cyberpunk is... I, it's I not feel like it has year. to be. No, I'll eat my shoe. But I I am now... Anything CD Projekt Red does, you got me. Like, I'm going to play that game. No matter... I, I just want to know what it looks like. I'm just... Oh, God. The Witcher 3 is so good. Like... I feel like I almost feel like it's, we talked so much about The Witcher Three ever since it's come out. I still feel like we haven't talked about it enough. Sometimes no. with like no, you could I, I, I would be on a podcast game. about Witcher Three if I could. Like just yeah, day in, day just out. a Witcher a Witcher podcast mm-hmm. every single week. You talk more about your experiences in The Witcher Three. Yep, I'm gonna remove that part because I don't really want to take our idea. Um, so this is our top ten list in no particular order. Uh, Anthem, The Wolf Among Us Season Two, Nino Kuni Two, Revenant Kingdom, Metro Exodus. Dragon Ball Fighters, Spider-Man, Valkyria Chronicles 4, Ori and the Will of the Wisps, Darksiders 3, and Red Dead Redemption 2. Uh, Joe, I'm going to put you on the spot. Of these games, what is your most anticipated game of 2018? Oh, man. Uh, assuming it actually comes out, I uh, and you know it won't break my heart if it doesn't, if it becomes like a March 2019 title, Red Dead Redemption 2. Yep. I think that'll be the kind of thing where like the kind of game you pick up from the store or like, you know, you spend a day downloading it off of steam or something and you know, you're not in your bedroom. You're in like the downstairs basement with like the nice TV and uh, you're like, you've got the electric blanket, you've got the popcorn, you've got the drink. I'm going, I'll see you guys in five hours, you know, kind of, kind of like I'm down for this. That was, that was me on like uncharted four where I was like, I'm going to take I'm going to take the weekend uh, to, to just plow yeah. through this. I'm going to watch like it's essentially like you kind of remove yourself from society when you watch a two hour movie. But instead, mm-hmm. it's a video game that you might spend an entire weekend mm-hmm. just immersed in. Yeah, uh, I, I think that might be that kind of thing where like I just get so immersed in it that like I emerge a different person. Uh, yeah, there's a stinkier. lot there's a, there's a lot of things like metro you know i'll sit down and i'll really hammer out and enjoy and uh wolf among us like uh, that'll be a drip feed compared to something like red dead but 
uh yeah i i'll see y'all on the other side when that comes out yeah it's close to top of my list but i i have to choose dino cooney too which is and that's fair maybe, that's fair it, it, it's a weird one but like i again it's it's so rare that you can have these moments of remembering why you were so just captivated by an entire genre mm. it's you know genres move on games change we see kind of this melding of rpg and action games or open world and rpg and there's not a lot of games that are just one thing but what nino kuni 2 did was or the first one did was just remind me of why i fell in love with jrpgs and if 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 the second one can do half of what the first one did and hopefully take some chances modernize certain things um make things less i i if you can make this game like instead of an 80 hour thing, like a really good 50 hour thing, because like for me, the shorter the games are now, the better. Yeah. I'd be super into that idea. Get rid of some of the JRPG bullshit we've seen that just extends playtime for the, for, you know, the, the actual reason to extend playtime. And uh, the art style, again, incredible. And I, I just want characters I care about. And at level five, I love level five so much Dark the Lives um favorite and level favorite. five uh i, I gotta google that because i think level five did they not have a hand in dragon quest uh eight i believe they did oh uh, gee that would not shock me somehow. um developer level five yeah so yeah it, and go figure i level five and dragon quest eight which i think was like that was 2004 and so ps2 uh from time the reason i why i asked about that earlier when we were kind of discussing it was i still from time to time uh pull up like the youtube playlist of the dragon quest 8 soundtrack uh, oh, because geez, so good because that game very subconsciously uh drags out like very fond memories of like that classic jrpg uh, experience but like rebuilt in a way for like me when i'm barely in middle school uh and it is the to me it is one of the most pure distillations of uh that fantasy adventure experience uh so hit me with nino kuni 2 sure yeah totally and like nino kuni 1 was like similar to that dragon quest of just like the pure fantasy experience so yeah give me that give me that for 2018 like that's that's top of my list there's a lot of other ones that really stand out but i i just if you can give me one game right now that would be it so um yeah that's that's our list. As we said earlier, stuff will change as the year goes on and as we get more information about other games and as fucking things are delayed all over the place and suddenly half of our games are actually 2019 games. But a lot of good video games this year. It's going to be it's going to take so much to top what 2017 was because goddamn, there were a lot of good games. Goddamn. Like I we all yeah. we all listen to that like five hour giant bomb uh, game of the year podcast, right? Yeah, like I, I, I went it's... back to uh, the 2016 game of the year uh, video they did and I was like, holy shit, this is is only two hours long yeah because it's just there's there were it's funny like there weren't any because i didn't play zelda or mario i didn't have like one game that stood out as like this has to be my number one but i had so many games that just grabbed me in specific ways where Mm -hmm. i was like oh i love this aspect of this and that aspect of that and i yeah i really hope we have another year like that uh joe social media different things you're writing right now what do you want to promote I, I i like how succinctly you to be like joe um duh, yell your your information yell your stuff uh you can find me on twitter at joseph noop that's j-o-s-e-p-h-k-n-o-o-p uh please come talk about overwatch league and how uh <laughs> increasingly dumb their uh walkout intros are getting uh oh, i fully God. expect some like jeff kaplan masks to show up on one of the teams in the next like two months or so it's just wrestling like anime is just wrestling. <laughs> exactly why is everything wrestling yeah 
Um, and why does why does this why is this grown man named like Fartbox? Why is that his like stage name? Uh, <laughs> Fartbox is a good name. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, keep an eye out. I have no idea what the exact timeline of this is going to be, but I'm excited for uh, a piece I wrote for a PC gamer about Stardew Valley and uh, its relation to uh, a recent injury of mine. Um, that if you have you know, been following me on Twitter, you probably already know about, but uh, feel free to ask. Uh, I wrote a thing for PC Gamer that was originally going to just go up on the website, but I'm told now uh, that it might go up, uh, that it will. Uh, it's slated to go in a like special edition of the magazine that it will be posted as a PDF and then later as a uh, online piece. So uh, believe me, I will be promoting that and I would love it if y'all read it. Yay, freelance stuff. Yay. Uh, as always, if you listened all the way to the end, first off, thank you. Second, please, what are you doing? Please uh, rate and review the podcast on iTunes or whatever podcast platform you're using. Um, also, we just recently created a subreddit that is getting a big old nice makeover for some awesome giant bomb mods. So uh, find that. It's the 1099. It also has the calendar on there. Uh, for next week, you will hear from Chuck Minnenhall, who is a writer for The Ringer and MMA Fighting. And then the week after, uh, Kind of Funny founder Greg Miller will be on the podcast. Oh, that one finally got tell confirmed. Tell him I say hi. I absolutely... I was going to start it. Joe said hi and just leave it at that. Uh, so yeah, I there'll be a whole bunch of other guests that I'm confirming that I'm really excited to talk about, but I can't talk about yet because if it falls through, I'll feel bad. So uh, thank you, Joe, for bullshitting for an hour and something Always. with me. Um, thank you everyone for listening. Hopefully tune back in for the next episode of the 1099.